Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth with each other, and with a divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. My name is uh, Gary Mason. I'm a Methodist clergy person based in Belfast, heading up an organization called Rethinking Conflict, primarily working in the Irish context still, in the Middle East, and also in the United States. I think sort of looking at a sort of 21st century moderns, we still continually ask that question, which may appear to be elusive, where do I find happiness? And I think one of the most fascinating books in the Bible is the book of Ecclesiastes, although I often comment to people, don't use it long term for your devotions, as it may push you towards depression. But I kind of look at Solomon's quester and passion for life, his discovery, what is life about? As we kind of look at those sort of early chapters, uh, we discover that he has this amazing pursuit of wisdom. He pursues that. He chases that. And yet we see the kind of context with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I think like many of us, he comes to that realization. The more we learn, the more we realize how little we actually know. But Solomon is pretty determined because after that kind of pursuit of wisdom, he tries a new search. He says in verse 1 there in chapter 2, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But as we all know, that quest also proved to be meaningless. And if we look at the verses 4 through to verse 11 there in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, we see he has this pursuit of buildings, architecture, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of music, the pursuit of sex. There's an old song entitled, Is That All There Is? And this kind of refrain is peppered throughout the song. And during the song it says, if that's all there is, we'll just keep on dancing. Let's break out. Let's bring out the booze. Let's have a ball. If that is all there is. And so we see in Solomon, he builds all these beautiful gardens he pursues those kind of hedonistic pleasures of life, wine, women and song. But interestingly, he still asks himself the question, is that all there is? There's a wonderful story of Malcolm Muggeridge, uh, the English journalist, brilliant journalist, brilliant intellectual. And he tells a story of how he goes into India as a religious man. He comes out of India after teaching journalism as an atheist he goes to Russia as an atheist and leaves Russia beginning to deal with the question of religion and God. But he highlights this amazing story which he calls a struggle that begins in India. He quite openly confesses, you know, I can't pin this down. It took me years to identify what really happened. And he tells some of those family stories that we all know. 
He quite openly says his dad, his father, was a very sensuous individual. He encourages Mugridge to cross the line of sensuality in an illicit relationship. And Mugridge really never had the courage to do that. But he tells a story in the early hours, one morning, while he was living there in the southern part of India, he goes to a nearby river to bathe and to bath. And entering into the water in the distance, he sees the silhouette of an Indian woman who has come to have her own bath some distance away. And he says, my mind begins to play havoc with me. He says, this is the moment of sensual consummation. And rather than deal with his conscience, Mugridge says, I began to swim as fast as my body would take me. And he describes in quite brilliant graphic language the kind of fast heartbeat of his heart, his fanciful imagination. Mentally, he has already crossed the line. And as he swims closer and closer, his mind is filled with real strong sexual emotion. He comes up only a foot or two away from the woman. He comes out of the water. There she is in the water. And Mugri comes close, eyeball to eyeball. And he suddenly realises he's looking at the body of a leper. So imagine that. All you listeners with all the kind of sensuality within your heart. You're looking at a hand with no fingers. You're not looking at eyes, but almost half sockets. You're not looking at a mouth, but almost animalistic features. And Mugridge said, God that morning reminded me that the problem I faced was not a leprous woman, but a lecherous heart. Solomon pursues that so-called dream of you will find ultimate satisfaction in sexual pursuit. But he didn't give up. He was very much a 21st century mortal. So as the book spills on in Ecclesiastes, we move into chapter 5, he pursues wealth. That concept, I always need more. I mean, Rockefeller's famous quotation when he's asked the question, how much money do you want? Rockefeller simply answers, just a little bit more. And so Solomon pursues that. Will this bring me ultimate satisfaction? And he ultimately finds out, I am better trusting in God than trusting in riches. And the teacher's conclusion, interestingly, in Ecclesiastes is this. Man has nothing within himself that allows him to enjoy life. So in reality, the sum of the matter is, we cannot enjoy life apart from God. So in reality, I suppose we can say today, the ecclesiastic experiment is simply a failure. As far as humanity is concerned, we need to realise that satisfaction is a gift from God, just like salvation. When we can take our knowledge, our pleasure, our work as gifts from God, our search has found its goal. There's a story written by Albert Camus, the French existentialist. And it talks about a man living in a village. His wife was a village girl who had never been into the big city. He was a businessman. And he takes her on one occasion rather reluctantly into the city. He leaves her at this intersection in the city and says, you go, you look around, I will go, I will do my business, then I will meet you. We'll also go to a hotel, we will have dinner, we will spend the night here, and then will we go back. She doesn't want to be left alone, but he must go, so he leaves her. Try to visualise that, standing at this very busy, big city intersection. She's tempted. 
by a temptation she has as a youngster, looking at all those people around her. And Camus, the brilliant writer that he is, Camus the atheist, doesn't tell us what the temptation is, except he says it was a lustful dream. And finally, she's struggling. So, you know, visualize that struggle as you listen to me today, asking the question, should I do it? Should I not do it? If I do it and my husband finds out, there will be violence. If I do it and I don't get caught, it will be great. I have longed for this for so long. She takes too long to decide. The husband comes, they go into the hotel, they have dinner, they get into bed at night. He immediately, after the busyness of the business of the day, falls to sleep. And she is lying with her head on the pillow saying, I may never have this opportunity again. And while he's sound asleep, she slips out from under the covers, gets changed, goes out. And in the words of Camus, he simply describes it, she enjoys the lusts of the night. She comes back to the hotel. She changes into her night clothes. She slips under the covers. But now the head she puts on the pillow is a completely different mind as she stirs into the blackness of the ceiling. The previous hour is replaying in her mind. And gradually the tears come in. They run down the side of her face. But they end up pouring so profusely till she sits up in bed, sobbing uncontrollably, and as she sits up, her husband awakes, listening to these sobs, and asks, what is the matter? And in typical, atheistic, existentialistic anticlimax, she says, and the book ends with these words, she says, nothing, just nothing. And so in reality, listeners, the loneliest moment in life is when you've just experienced that which you thought would deliver the ultimate and it let you die. Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.